0: Section eighty five of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Natter. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bomba. Problematic Cases, Part Six. The Wackerle Puzzle, Part 2 While the officers of the company had not believed that Mr. Wackerle was dead, this was the first reliable information they had received of his whereabouts. A representative of the company, and Lieutenant Weinman at once started for California, and on arriving at San Francisco found that Wackerle was some two hundred miles up the coast, in Humboldt County. A friendly telegram was sent, which brought him to them. He was found to be the identical William Wackerlet whom the company had been searching for so long. He gave to the Etna's representatives his reasons for leaving his wife, among other things, because he considered her a desperate woman, and he was afraid she would take his life for the purpose of obtaining the insurance. The following affidavit was made by Mr. Wackerlet. State of California, County of San Francisco. William Wackerlet, of Hydesville, in the county of humboldt and state of california being duly sworn deposes and says that he was born in germany on the twentieth day of june a d eighteen twenty six that his father's name was john michael wackerle and that his mother's name was jacobina Wackele, that on the fourteenth day of november a d eighteen fifty eight in the town of shakopee in the state of minnesota he was married to walburga schneider daughter of antonio and magdalene schneider and the marriage ceremony was performed by cornelius weissman a catholic priest that he resided in the said state of minnesota until about the year eighteen sixty five that he was a member of company h ninth regiment minnesota volunteer infantry that he moved his family to milwaukee in the state of wisconsin and while a resident of said milwaukee he made application for and received of the etna life insurance company of hartford connecticut a policy of insurance on his life for the sum of three thousand dollars payable in the event of his death to his wife walburga that he subsequently moved with his wife to detroit in the state of michigan while residing in detroit he surrendered the said policy of insurance or discontinued payments under same, and took from said company in its stead another policy of same amount three thousand dollars and payable to his wife the said walburga wackerle in the event of his death the latter policy dated may eighteen sixty nine that he left his wife and went to sacramento in the state of california that she subsequently came to the place where he was then living that in company with his wife they went to quincy in the state of illinois and there resided together till the year eighteen seventy one when he again left his wife and went to sacramento in the state of california and is now residing in hydesville in the state of california and that he does not know the whereabouts of said walburga wackerle not having heard from her for several years signed william wackerle subscribed and sworn to before me this twenty-fourth day of june a d eighteen seventy eight signed john hamill Notary Public while the adjuster and mr Weinman were waiting for the arrival of mr wackerle two german brothers by the name of john heine and j n heine formerly residents of minnesota and neighbours of wackerle and who knew him and his wife intimately were found in san francisco and arrangements were made for them to meet wackerle upon his arrival immediately upon the landing of the steamer the four gentlemen in question recognised each other and had a long talk relative to incidents which had occurred in their experience in minnesota while living as neighbours affidavits of Weinman and of the two hinds were taken which fully corroborated that made by Wackerle. all of the gentlemen went to a photographer and their pictures were taken separately and also in a group these papers and photographs were forwarded to attorney bell at shreveport for the purpose of being presented at the hearing of the case, which was to come up in a few days on the appeal. The facts set forth in Wackerle's affidavit accorded with the statements made by his wife. Wackerle related to the adjuster in an unhesitating and straightforward manner his experience while living with her, many incidents of which Mrs. Wackerle had previously given, and were known to the adjuster. Upon the presentation to the Court of Appeals of the evidence that Wackerle was living, the judge granted a new trial but with the understanding that the company would only be permitted to prove the fact a commission was issued for the taking of testimony and mrs wackerle was notified to appear in carver minnesota and meet the husband she had so persistently claimed was dead in the meantime wackerle was sent for and he immediately came east he visited his old neighbours and friends in carver and chaska minnesota all of whom promptly recognised him Mrs. Wackerle went to Minnesota, but for reasons best known to herself, she would not be present when the depositions were taken. She evaded several attempts to get her and Wackerle together. When Lieutenant Weinman and Wackerle were in pursuit of Mrs. Wackerle at St. Paul to bring about a meeting of the couple, they accidentally met John Wackerle, William's brother. Both at once recognized each other. This added another link to the chain of evidence so rapidly forming to defeat the unjust claim of the woman that she was a widow, and entitled to the insurance upon the life of her deceased husband. The testimony of some twenty-five witnesses was taken, in Carver and Chaska, to the effect that they knew Wackerle and his wife, and that they knew him to be the identical person who had previously resided there. Some of the witnesses were present at their marriage, others served with him in the army mrs wackerle persistently refused to meet her husband it was however important to complete the evidence which the company desired to give at the second trial that mrs wackerle should also be identified as the wife of wackerle and the plaintiff in the litigation in order to accomplish what was desired in this respect lieutenant Weinman, who as stated above was a resident of Ferrybolt and with whom wackerle was stopping arranged with a prominent county official at Chaska that if she visited that place to take her in and telegraph him in order that he might bring wackerle and have them meet in the presence of parties who knew them both the arrangement was successful and wackerle for the first time in many years met his wife in the presence of a large number of their old neighbours who subsequently gave testimony that they knew them both and that they were the identical parties who were formerly residents of that town when wackerle and his wife met he said to her do you now say that i am not your husband and that i am dead to which mrs wackerle replied the courts of louisiana will decide whether or not you are my husband i want nothing to do with you mrs wackerle immediately left the house and the town apparently indignant that she had been compelled to face her husband at the second trial in shreveport the company presented the positions of wackerle lieutenant windman john wackerle and some twenty-five others prominent residents of chaska county all showing conclusively that Wackerle was living. In rebuttal of the evidence presented by the company to the effect that Wackerle was living, Mrs. Wackerle caused the body of the man killed at Shreveport to be exhumed, and although the burial had occurred some four or five years before, she testified that she recognized the corpse as that of her husband. She was positive in her testimony of the fact that it was the body of her deceased husband. Notwithstanding, there was nothing left but the skeleton— she said that she recognized it from peculiarities of the teeth which she remembered and that they were identical with those of her husband the evidence that wackerle was living was so conclusive that a verdict was given for the company to this she took an appeal at the october eighteen eighty term of the supreme court it was finally disposed of in closing his opinion the judge said the testimony conclusively establishes that Wakerle the identical person whose life was insured is still living and unmasks one of the boldest and most scandalous schemes of fraud upon the defendant the court and her counsel ever conceived and carried to the very verge of success it is therefore ordered adjudged and decreed that the judgment appealed from be affirmed at the appellant's costs so far as the etna was concerned this ended the litigation the suit against the Mutual Life Insurance Company was brought by Mrs. Wackerle in St. Louis. The jury was composed exclusively of farmers. A. R. Taylor of St. Louis was counsel for the plaintiff, and Messrs. Grover and Shepley were counsel for the company. Mr. Taylor opened the case by outlining to the jury the particulars of the claim. A suit was originally brought in the state court, but had been transferred by the defendants to the federal court. Mrs. Wakerle, being sworn, related the facts, mainly, as given, respecting the Etna case, and swore that she first learned of her husband's death through his brother, John wackerle She met him at Carondelet, and he told her that her husband was dead. Subsequently she went to Shreveport, and had her husband's body exhumed, and identified it by broken tooth and by his hair, whiskers, and clothing. She was sure it was the body of her husband. He was killed December 25th, 1872, and she had his body dug up in March 1874. Upon cross-examination, she said that she received a note from her lawyer at Shreveport that tried the case against the Etna, telling her that a lawyer named Wineman had a man at Ferrybolt, Minnesota, that was said to be her husband, that she went to see about it. She called on the chief of police there, and he told her to go to Mr. Dunham's, where the man would be. She told him she wanted to see the man they said was her husband, and that he should bring him to her. He did not bring him to her, but brought him in front of the house, and she saw him. She did not call him in, because he was a stranger to her. She did not think that the man said to be her husband saw her at the time she saw him. At a Mr. Grainer's. she met the man they said was her husband. There were a good many there, but she did not know who they were. Lawyer Wineman was there. The man said, "'Valburga, don't you know me?' She replied that the matter had to be settled in court. She did not tell him he was an impostor. At this point John Wackerle confronted the witness, and she was asked if she recognized him. She replied she had never seen him before. She stated that he was a stranger to her, and she knew nothing about him, that John Wackerle, the brother of her husband, was a taller man, and looked altogether different. William Wackerle was then called in front of the witness, and she was asked if she recognized him. Her reply was, "'This man is a stranger to me, like the one before. I saw him once in Minnesota, but he has changed some from what he was before. This man is not my husband. I never lived with him as his wife. I never saw him except in Minnesota, once and here now. Here the plaintiff rested her case.' mr shepley counsel for the defence in his opening address to the jury said that he expected to prove that the chief of police at ferry took william wackerle by the house where mrs wackerle was and that she went to the chief of police and asked him the quickest way she could get out of the town without that man seeing her that two interviews were arranged at carver and chaska where the parties had lived and were known to many persons and that it was only by a trick that Mrs. Wackerle was got to the house of one Griner, where Mr. Wackerle was, and where many persons who knew them both were, that at that time Mrs. Wackerle made no pretense of calling Mr. Wackerle an impostor. that all she could be got to say was that the matter must be settled in the court. He also stated how Weinmann became aware of the litigation with the Etna Life Insurance Company, how he wrote the company, informing them of the existence of Mr. Wackerle, he also stated that he should produce witnesses before the court who knew Mr. Wackerle ever since 1850, before he was married, and down to the present time, and would present overwhelming proof that the person claiming to be William Wackerle was the identical person who was insured, and the husband of the plaintiff, but that he was now divorced from her. Jakob Zomer, sworn stated that he lived in illinois had previously lived on tom allen's place near st louis for eighteen years he was a gardener he had known william Wackerle since he was a little boy knew him in the old country saw him in st louis in eighteen seventy one was told by vackerle that he was going south saw mrs vackerle once she came to see him and asked him if he knew where her husband had gone in the spring of eighteen seventy two vackerle came back and said he was going to California. He knew that the party in the courtroom who claimed to be William Wackerle was the identical person, and that John Wackerle was also the brother of William. He was acquainted with him. He had known John Wackerle for eighteen years. They were neighbors in the old country. He had played with William when they were boys. Mrs. Wackerle came to him and asked him if he knew where her husband had gone. He told her he did not know, but that he said he was going south. Upon cross-examination he stated that Wackerle left Germany about ten years before he did, and was about ten years older than he was. When he met Wackerle in this country, he knew him right away, and Wackerle knew him. End of section 85